shares of Philip Morris trading at the highest since 2018, helped by an earnings report last month that boosted expectations. There's a lot going on in the world of tobacco. Let's bring in the chief financial officer, Emmanuel Babu, who is the CFO at Philip Morris International. Emmanuel, thanks a lot for being here this morning. Thanks for having me, Oliver. Thank you. Let's start by talking about what we learned last month. Investors liked what they heard in your report. You upped the forecast for the year. What was the core theme behind that ability to guide higher than what the streets expected? So we were uh, off to a very strong start to the year. You're absolutely right, Oliver. Actually, the Q1 was a, a record all-time high uh, Q1 adjusted EPS for the group at $1.57. And uh, the growth of uh, the adjusted EPS, uh, which was 30% in reported term and organically 22%, is really coming from the power of ICOs, our smoke-free product, that has been growing 30% uh, in uh, Q1. And that is coming with a, a great improvement uh, on our margin. So not only do we have the boost on volume and revenue, but it also having a nice impact on the evolution of the margin. So that is explaining the strong performance on Q1 and uh, and the outlook for the year. This is what's so interesting is the cigarette shipment volume was down 7%. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, oh, you're correct. And your uh, revenues, though, and earnings in particular, the margin impact on those earnings is increasing. And this is what uh, the business has been about now for several years, several years right, pivoting away uh, from traditional tobacco. Right now, looking at that revenue breakdown, we just had it on the screen. It's getting bigger, 28% of net revenues. What does that look like uh, a year from now, five years from now? Well, we said, and we've been taking a very clear, uh, uh, I would say, objective in that respect. We said 2023, we want to be around 40% of our business smoke-free, and we have uh, an aspiration uh, for 2025 uh, to be above 50% of our revenue smoke-free. So at that point in time, in 2025, we want to be predominantly a smoke-free company. Now, when you look at the expenses and where you are spending a lot in the R&D department, uh, what is that uh, mostly including right now? Is this technology? Is it looking at different types of smokeless products? Obviously, you have a big competitor in Altria, the uh, part owner of Juul, of course. Uh, now, what is the plan in terms of staying on top and competing? No, very true, Oliver. So far in our journey to Unsmoke the World, we've been investing about $8 billion. Not everything is on uh, innovation and R&D, but a significant share of this $8 billion in on innovation and, and mainly on life science. So we've been developing all this technology to uh, eat the tobacco, but not to burn it, to generate a great experience for smokers, but uh, with a significantly reduced exposure to uh, harmful or potentially harmful chemicals. And of course, we continue to innovate on this, what we call reduced risk product that are going to provide to smokers great experience, convincing them to switch to this better product and ultimately fulfill our ambition to unsmoke the world. But we also signal that we have an ambition to go beyond nicotine. And we said that, that by 2025, we want to have at least 1 billion of revenue coming from what we call beyond nicotine. Um, uh, technology and that is coming from all this R&D that we've been doing along the years on uh, precisely everything around inhalation, how you uh, improve uh, delivery of product through the lengths, how you develop other, I would say, well-being lifestyle product 
without nicotine that we call botanicals. Mm. And that's going to come as a very nice uh, drive, uh, growth driver for PMI in the coming years. And this is still about tobacco. Cannabis has not been a part of your story, and it doesn't look like it's in the plans at this moment. Yeah, what we said is that uh, recreative cannabis is uh, is not on the agenda. We are working on some component of the cannabinoid, and um, and uh, we we are working to uh, to see what are the exact impact on else uh, on CBD, for instance. Uh, but we're working on it, and we did not come to any conclusion at that stage. How does the plan for the growth right now uh, run up against the government's potential plans to look at nicotine curbs? We've heard this story kind of building rumors. Can you give us some insight as to whether or not you have to expect uh, regulatory changes uh, with this new administration here in the U.S.? Is that something that you're baking into your model right now? So, Oliver, remember, uh, Philip Morris International is actually not directly present in the U.S., so we don't have business in the U.S. We've been licensing our ICOS product to Altria, so we have only an indirect and today limited exposure to the market. So right. that, that's why it would probably have a lower impact for us. But commenting on what, again, is a rumor, because I don't think that things have been clarified uh, recently. Um, what I can say is that we certainly support very strongly uh, the arm reduction agenda of the FDA, which is to try to push the smokers towards better product and, and reduce product. And this idea of decreasing nicotine in cigarette would have, if it was confirmed, to be carefully studied. But first of all, for inattended consequences, like do I have to smoke more to have the same nicotine uh, content? Uh, um, and it would have impact only certainly if better product, alternative, reduced-risk product are available, and of course that the smokers are aware that they exist. So that this is its roadmap that should be built anyway before it makes sense. Emmanuel, what do you see in the business uh, as in terms of how demand changed during the past year and how that affects uh, the business growth prospects compared to what we saw in the past year? Because as investors are concerned right now, a lot of companies, the core question is, what was changed by COVID? We were all stuck at home. It was a pretty stressful time. Smokeless or not smokeless, cigs and everything within the realm of tobacco is some people's way of coping. Did you see a pickup in demand that's gonna be hard to live up to? Well, very true, Oliver. Uh, clearly 2020 and the COVID crisis um, has had some impact for us, like for everybody, and notably restricting, especially uh, towards the second quarter, uh, of last year, but it continued to some extent on the rest of the year, what we call the social moment. So the moment where you are gathered with, uh, with friends and, and uh, in bars, restaurants, partying, and that has been having some impact certainly on the overall tobacco consumption. Some impact as well on how we can speak to the smokers to convert them to and to switch them to ICOs. So at the beginning, we had a model which was very much relying on um, people, uh, you know, meeting smokers and explaining uh, how uh, ICOs would work and why they should switch. And we have had to rapidly adapt and become much more digital in our commercial approach. And uh, I think we've been learning a lot and learning very rapidly. And at the end of the day, probably becoming more efficient thanks to this more digital commercial model. Okay, Emmanuel, thanks for the details and uh, very interesting uh, continuing transition underway here with some pretty big goals uh, over the next couple of years for the smokeless products. Uh, looking forward to continuing the conversation. Thank you. Thank you very much, Oliver. Thank you.
Emmanuel Babu is the chief financial officer at Philip Morris International.